So I am recording. I, too, am recording. I, too, am recording. <laughs> I, too, cigar. <laughs> uh, I have a MacBook Pro 2021 MacBook Pro 14-inch. And uh, the newest operating system is called Ventura. And what I've been having a problem with a lot lately is my USB ports just disconnecting everything. So I would uh, have my audio interface and and the uh, MPC player, and I'd have all these things hooked up, and it, it would work. But if I sat there and didn't touch my computer for an hour because I'm just talking, I'm rambling on, it would start disconnecting things. If I disconnected my laptop, went out... what to the garage or downstairs, I'd come back. It would have trouble reconnecting to all those devices. So I said, screw Ace, uh, Ace Ventura. <laughs> uh, Mac OS Ventura. I'm going to wipe my hard drive. I'm going to go back to the previous OS, which was uh, Monterey. And uh, so far I haven't had any issues but I haven't had a whole lot of time to reinstall all the software and do all these things. So that's why we don't have an MPC track today because I didn't have the time to dig through all my hard drives. So what I'm understanding is you have 14 inches and it's hard and you don't deal with that a lot. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got out of any of what you just said. Yeah, I, I walked into that. Damn it. You walked into 14 inches? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, uh, hey, I guess uh, welcome to Eyes Forward March. Uh, we're your hosts. I am Sergeant Seagar, And as always with me, we are the Im- ambiguously uh, friendship duo. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't you give it a try? Because I'm going to mess that up. I think you did a pretty good job. You're the... Uh... Well, I didn't say your name, though. Oh. I didn't say I'm Sergeant Seagar, and we're the ambiguously ambitious duo. I'm just baking right now. I'm in between, like, I'm in this weird twilight zone. So I think it'd be a very interesting episode, not this one. But I think it would be a very interesting episode to uh, talk about the uh, the dark side, the the coffee slinging, lightsaber swinging, warrant officer program. Once I have more information <laughs> and good information, I, I will gladly uh, spill as much tea as I can. There you go. There you go. So this is going to be a hard episode to get through. It will be. Yeah. Especially with 14 inches. (laughs) Well, okay, here's the deal. Uh, We don't have any MPC. I don't know what you're going to do in post, so that'll be interesting. But we're going to finally, finally, we're going to talk about the whole COVID thing. The whole everything's changed in a thing. Yeah, the state of the army. I like the title. I actually love the title, but I... I I do have to point out that everything that we say here on Eyes Forward March, they're just our thoughts and opinions. They don't reflect the military or or anything like that. And they can 
and will be used against us in a court of law. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Damn it. I'm just I'm just passionate about the things that I love. I think I may be able to I think I made friends with the Jag. So I think like I may be able to get some kind of representation if needed. Does the Jag know that you're on this podcast? She does. Okay. And uh does the Jag have a glove that conveniently doesn't fit? Maybe. <laughs> I can give her a glove that doesn't fit. <laughs> this one don't fit, so you must acquit. Right on. Uh, well, before we get into the episode, we have to do what we do every single episode because you, the listeners, love it so much. You love to hear the in-between Bacon's voice. I, I don't know how to move it. It's time for military history. That's good. <laughs> I like it. We don't have an NPC. It's like an acoustic version of this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so March uh, 29th, in 1790, John Tyler, the 10th president of the United States, was born in Charles City County, Virginia. He was also the first vice president to succeed to office on the death of a president. Oh. So, so the ninth president died. Wouldn't you think that the 10th president would be on the dime or the $10 bill. So no, you would think that, but that's, then we would need like a 48 cent piece, you know, at some point, you know, <laughs> it, we would go bankrupt printing miscellaneous coins. Uh, sir, your total bill is forty nine ninety eight. All I got is a $46 bill. I got, uh, I got a Trump. <laughs> I got an Obama. <laughs> Have you ever gone into a restaurant like uh, with a hoodie or tried to get into a restaurant with a hoodie? <laughs> no. <laughs> they're like, sorry, sir. There's a dress code here. And just like, I want this to happen so bad. Just be like, well, here's the deal. I might be wearing a hoodie, but all the people on my money, they're in suit and tie. So I think we're good. You have a dress code. Too bad I don't wear a dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. In 1806, the Great National Pike, also known as the Cumberland Road, became the first highway funded by the National Treasury. And it took them from 1806 to 1840 to build this. And it, uh, it stretched from Cumberland, Maryland to Vandalia, Illinois. And it was appropriated to be cost around $30,000. And it was a congressional act. So eventually, over $6 million was appropriated to build this highway. In 1856, control over the road was turned over to the states through which it ran. That means like the roads would be left to um, the devices of the states to almost exclusively until the dawn of the automobile. So Illinois, Maryland, and every state in between mm -hmm. basically had to maintain it. That That's crazy that that dollar amount, and I get it, at that time took a congressional act yeah. to be like, yep, yeah, go ahead and spend it. And in today's world, it's like, oh, a trillion? Yeah, whatever. Six million bucks we wipe our ass with. So- 
Henry Ford and the other leaders of the automotive industry were the ones that were instrumental in encouraging federal funding for the national highways. Okay, I should do the, I'm going to do the little ones and I'm going to do the big one. So I'm going to be out of order for a second, but it'll be okay. Okay. In 1867, the United States purchased Alaska from Russia for a whopping $7.2 million. Wow. That's called a steal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we robbed them bitches. Which is probably why they're pissed at us. In 1918, U.S. pilot Edward Rickenbacker scores his first air victory. By the end of the war, he will be acknowledged as his country's top ace with 26 kills. Did he, did he retire from the military and start a popcorn company? No, that was Redenbacher. Oh, Rickenbacher. damn it. I should get my hearing checked. Well, maybe. <laughs> you do that every year. Yeah. I don't know how I passed that thing. Hey, luck. <laughs> you were pressing the button when no tone is available. <laughs> this is a hearing <laughs> test. Okay. In 1961, the 23rd Amendment allowing residents of Washington, D.C. to vote for president was ratified. Okay. I mean, it had to be an amendment because it's not a state. In 1971, Army Lieutenant William L. Cowley Jr. was convicted of murdering at least 22 Vietnamese civilians in 1968 during the My Lai Massacre. Cowley ended up spending three years under house arrest. Just, just house arrest? Just house arrest. All right. All right. So if you're not familiar, educate yourself with the Miley Massacre. It was a total shit show. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. In 1974, eight Ohio National Guardsmen were indicted on charges stemming from the shooting deaths of four students at Kent State University. The Guardsmen were later acquitted. Now, we're going to rewind to 1865 the final campaign of the war begins in virginia when union troops of my man general ulysses s grant move against the confederate trenches around petersburg you've been to petersburg yeah yep sure have okay we ran i think we ran the battlefield that's where uh that's where vegas was out looking for bigfoot (laughs) that's petersburg (laughs) yeah Oh, it's good times. So, General Robert E. Lee, his rebels, they were outnumbered, and they were soon forced to evacuate the city and began a desperate race to the west. Eleven months before, Grant, my man, and his forces moved across the Rapidian River in northern Virginia, and they began the bloodiest campaign of the war. For six weeks, Lee and Grant fought along an arc that swung east of the Confederate capital at Richmond. And then they fought some of the conflict's bloodiest battles at Wilderness, Spotsylvania, and Cold Harbor before they settled into trenches for a siege of Petersburg, which is 25 miles south of Richmond, which is uh, near modern-day Fort Lee. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the trenches eventually stretched all the way back to Richmond, and for 10 months... The armies glowered 
at each other from across a no man's land periodically grant launched attacks against um, sections of the rebel defenses but lee's men managed to fend them off so they stood there and looked at each other for a while like <laughs> like peacock and like come on come on bro okay tracking so yeah. far yep 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 so time was running out for lee his army was dwindling to um, about 55,000. Well, Grant's army was growing. The Army of the Potomac was now more than 125,000 men ready to fucking rumble. On March 25th, Lee attempted to split the Union line when he attacked at Fort Stedman, a stronghold along the Yankee trenches. His army was beaten back and he lost nearly 5,000 men. Grant seized that initiative sending 12,000 men past the Confederates' left flank and threatening to cut Lee, uh, cut his escape route from Petersburg. Yeah. So he's like, basically, they're trying to, they're trying to make that, that board really small. So fighting broke out there and several miles southwest of the city. Then in a downpour, my man, General Grant, launched his wide-swinging move to southwest of Petersburg and rolled up Lee's flank. Ever concerned about his lifeline to the James River, he wrote to Rear Admiral Porter, in view of the possibility of the enemy attempting to come to the City River at City Point or crossing the Appomattox at Broadway Landing, getting to the Bermuda 100 during the absence of the greater part of the Army, I would respectfully request that you direct one or two gunboats to lay in the Appomattox near the pontoon bridge and two in the James River near the mouth of Bailey's Creek. So he's Grant's like working with his admirals here to like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna cut them down, right? We're gonna block their their water escapes and we're gonna block their land escape. Which makes sense. Right. Porter complied with the double measure, sending not one or two, but several ships to Grant's assistance. Lee's men could not arrest the federal advance. Two days later, the Yankees struck at Five Forks, soundly defeating the rebels and leaving Lee no alternative. He pulled his forces from their trenches and raced west, followed by Grant. It was a race that not even the great Lee could win. He surrendered his army on April 9th at the Appomattox Courthouse. Well, son of a gun. Yeah, that's why he's a fucking badass. That's like the ultimate game of chess right there. Oh, yeah. If, if, if you don't play chess, you need to learn how to play. Yep, 100%. And that was military history. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Where's Mr. Hell on Wheels? That's what we should call that segment. So Bacon Bits is, uh, is off. He's doing spring break things. Oh, nice. He's, he's, he's down in Cancun trying to find that... Uh, Mexicalia, Italia, Gipialia. I think he's actually just down in Panama Beach. No. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. So we have literally been trying to figure out how to touch this topic for a little bit of time because we don't like to, like, you know, create waves and stuff, you know? Right. But... It's pretty relevant. Let me start this off with 
The other day I walked into my local gas station and it's a Midwest gas station. I think it's a little bit farther than that, but I don't know. I only see it in the Midwest. And as soon as I walked in the door, I noticed that there were no more plastic barriers up. It was just a counter and somebody on the other side of the counter without those plastic barriers. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell? I have lived almost three years of my life walking into every establishment and having to talk through a plastic barrier. And this was all because of what we now know, the world pandemic, COVID-19. I kind of want to talk a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected us in the military. And again, these are our thoughts, our opinions. They don't reflect anybody else or the military in general. You know, it's just kind of, uh, it's us. It's somebody has to make a decision somewhere. These things happen and we say, well, that's effing stupid. And we complain about it and so forth. But, you know, with all that aside, I remember we were in Virginia when the country shut down. And I remember thinking to myself, this is dumb, but it, the first thing that hit us was when we got pulled into the classroom and we were told, well, you might need to make some phone calls. You might be here for a while. And in my mind, I'm like, well, Hey, uh, Sarge, Hey, cadre. It's not how this works. I I don't care if you're the schoolhouse. I, I really don't. If my general says, get in your damn car and drive home, that's what I'm doing. Right. And that's where the misinformation for us really began. Yeah. I would say it was, so that was the start of our second phase. Yeah, because the first phase we were off post. Right. So we were off post and I would say by, I don't know, day 10 or so. Yeah, something like that. It was all over the news that this virus is coming, whatever. And they're showing the map where it's hitting. And you know, it's your heavily populated areas. Right. Um, your New Yorks, your Baltimores at that time. All the people, the locations where people are basically sleeping on top of other people. Right. You know, I mean, skyscrapers, apartment buildings, stuff like that. High density po- populations. Perfect. Where it really felt real is when the hotel we were staying in was giving us a brown bag for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was right at the end of staying in the hotel. For me, before they did that, they shut the pool down, the hot tub, the pool. Because there was a few nights when we first got there where we all just, we went across the street, we ate dinner. At the little Mexican place. Yeah, great food. Yep. And we all went back and threw on our trunks or whatever we had, uh, PT shorts, and we just sit in the hot tub. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one night, we went to go do that, and nope, that's closed. And I went to Walmart with somebody, and it was like the zombie apocalypse. Like, the entire place had been raided. There was nothing there. Right. People were like, there was... One of the workers was uh, telling me that uh, their truck, the semi-truck, they couldn't even open the the door to unload it 
because they were getting mauled. Holy shit. Rushed by people trying to get into the trailer and get stuff. Like a 53-foot semi-trailer. Wow. Yeah, so I wasn't there for that. Yeah, I forget who I went with. So then they move us on post. Any, that was a plan anyway. Right. So the whole reason why we were off post for, the, for phase one was had nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, if, if you're not familiar with Fort Lee uh, every year, they hold the culinary art of excellence challenge or school or whatever the hell it is. Did you intentionally call it the culinary? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> because I have no doubt that there are cooks in the military that can make amazing food. I haven't had it, so I don't know if it really exists. But anyway, because of the the culinary uh, art of food or whatever, the base was just booked up and we couldn't get housing. So they put us in a hotel for two weeks, phase one. Then we moved on to post for the second phase. And uh, I remember when we got into those rooms, you know, they're designed for two people per room right but because of covid one person per room so now you're taking up twice as much space uh the whole pandemic outbreak happened when we were over there i remember you were talking to your uh your state and you're like hey i can get a ride to this state from this guy instead of having to jump on a plane when we left and have two or three stops between the final destination and they're like, oh, no, that would cost too much money. Yeah, it costs more money to drive. Really? I'm already driving. It costs you nothing for me to get you, what, 11 hours away? How, how far away are we? You and me, seven, about seven and a half. It would have cost absolutely nothing to get you seven and a half hours away from home. Right. And I guarantee you they could have put somebody in a GSA or something 14 hours back and forth and it would have cost nothing but fuel but no you had to fly let's do it the dumbest let's do it the dumbest way possible right that statement i think is going to set the the trend for the rest of this conversation right let's do it the dumbest way possible the army way because you and i grew up in the military when you were told this is how it is you maybe asked your why once or twice. And if you had a good leader or a great leader, they would talk with you a little bit. Maybe we'd adjust the uh, we'd adjust the plan a little bit. But ultimately, it was the leader's call and the leader's plan as to what we were going to do. Sure. Lately, the military or our branch, the Army, seems to be going away from that. Hold on. Back up. Back up just a second. You're right. Like I grew up in 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 the army where unless you were in the hospital and the doctor could basically say yeah he he or she wasn't going to make it to drill because they're probably going to die. That was your only excuse for not being at drill. Not even. My 21st birthday, I was in the hospital. I had a staph infection in my elbow from playing basketball. I had an IV catheter. So I had to go in to the hospital, get my IV antibiotics, 
and still go to drill. Oh yeah. When our first deployment, my first deployment, not our, my first deployment in Oh three, when, uh, my, my alpha alpha was in small town, this state, and they had a local dentist see each and every single one of them. We're getting ready. Like you've received your warning. You're going to report on this date. And the next time you see your family is when we're going to right before we're going to get on a plane. So we all go to the dentist and the dentist is like, oh, you got a shit ton of problems. Oh, that sucks. And they just start ripping teeth out. And the expectation is after you have four, five, six, 20 teeth ripped out, I don't know how many I was. The expectation is you go back and do your job with a wad of cotton in your mouth until you're done bleeding. And then you take the cotton out and you continue doing your job. And that is not the environment that we're in today. For one, I don't want to say it's a generational thing. I don't feel like that term fits. Okay. The culture of the military has changed. We've become softer because we're looking to keep people in. We've changed our branding. We've changed branding a bunch of times. Right. We want to make it more marketable to certain individuals. Sure. You and I are not the target. People our age are not the target audience of the military. No, but I will say that this goes back to the same thing where, you know, you've got a company. Let's just say, hypothetically, it's your local internet company. Once they have you, they don't give a shit about you. They will increase the prices. They will make the the service shittier. They don't really care. What are you going to do? Call up and say, oh, hey, I think I'm going to leave figuratively ETS. And then all of a sudden they'll pay attention to you and give you some stuff. And maybe you'll stay. Maybe you won't. But it's all about what's coming in the front door, not focusing on what is our our base, this is what frustrates me, is that us old guys, you the listeners, if you're listening, we're in. We've met the standards. Shit sucks. Things don't make sense. And the reality of it is it never has, it never will, but we're in. We're doing our thing. We need to sit there and continue doing our thing. Like I get it. If you can justify, Hey, I got in when I was 32, uh, I did my eight years. I got my college. Now I want to have a family. I get that. And that's cool. But for us guys who got in when we were 17, 18 years old, we've gone through this. We've done all these other things, blah, 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 blah. What, just tell me why you're not sticking around to do your 20 years plus. And we're getting off topic. We started off with the whole COVID thing. It's part of it. Yeah. I I think it's important that no, like we understand how it sucks. And we think like in my mind, when I hear people complain about this and that, I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. I don't care what your religious background is. I don't care what your preferences are. 
you you pick up on that you're a human being and you can meet the standards and the standards are this it's all i care about but what frustrates me is the constant change of standards to what appears to me to be done just to meet a quota i i will argue for the age difference because a 45 year old cannot some can but the average 45 year old cannot pt like an 18 year old i was just having this conversation i don't i don't go like i used to what i mean by that is for 20 years 25 years in the military i would say out of probably 15 to 17 of those 18 of those it was all my body is slowing down i've been sure. a mechanic i was an equipment operator i have not been nice to myself and so things hurt things take longer to heal and i 100 percent agree with you and this is why when i see videos on on youtube with these sergeant majors who are like we're gonna implement this new pt test blah 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 blah, blah. like hey sergeant major i am more than happy great you're a PT stud, but in my mind, you get into the military as a young spry male or female or whatever the hell you want to be. I don't care. And you do your thing. You're gung ho. You're the worker bee until you get up to that E7, E8, and then you transition into operations. So why am I seeing Sergeant Majors? Oh, I'm going to pick stuff up. I'm going to put stuff down, blah, 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 blah. Hold on. Stop. I want to see E6s and E7s. I'm going to pick stuff up. I'm going to put stuff down. I, like that's, that's the, that's the rank group that I want to see pushing me to strive to be better as a younger enlisted soldier. I don't want to see Sergeant Major spitting out nonsense about how uh, PT is good. PT is great. Does that make sense? It makes sense. But again, that falls back to what we were saying is that, hey, the, he's in charge. He's telling us we got to do great and good things and get strong. And so on top of us doing our daily job, we're going to find time to go to the gym. We're not maybe going to be awesome at everything, but we'll be We'll meet the standard for everything. Okay. We'll be able to do good enough at our job and good enough at PT because we don't have time to be great at everything. And that logic makes sense to me in an active duty format. Because in an active duty format, I'm not active duty, I like active duty army, army. Maybe I see sergeant majors every day, you know, but like in the National Guard, I didn't see a sergeant major till I probably hit E6. You know, so the E the E9 is not relatable to me. What I grew up on was seeing the E6s and the E7s who have been in for 16 plus years that are just lazy pieces of garbage. But they're not the ones that are doing it and motivating me. It's the E9s that are doing it. And like that doesn't make sense to me in the guard. But whatever. It, and that's the way the National Guard is going. In my opinion, the National Guard is going to lose its stronghold. Yes, we're going to still be a National Guard, but I feel like we're being pushed to become a reserve component of the Army, which we already have the reserves for. 
That's what I'm. That's that's what I feel. We still have to get paid by Department of Army. So when a Secretary of the Army or a Secretary of Defense puts out an order, regardless of what that order is, and they tell you you have this many days or this long to comply. And so we get on board. Most of us, some of us, find ways. A great segue. Great segue. Continue. So some of us will find ways, us being us in the force, that, oh, maybe there's a way around this. I don't want to do that. But if I say straight up, I don't want to do that, then I'm done. Maybe there's a way I can say I don't want to do this, and it's a loophole. And now I'll fall into this twilight zone. Right. You're talking, I'll start off with talking religious exemption. Because the religious exemption for me, when I started seeing this religious exemption, is when we started having, um, bringing people into the military that said, I need to have a beard. And well, you can't have a beard because our standard says you can't have a beard. Well, yeah, but my religion says I, I, I have to have a beard. I don't, I am not knowledgeable about religion at all in any way, shape or form. And you know, I, I kind of like, Hey, more power to you. But at the same time, it's like, then you see special forces with beards because it's operational dictated. When you see, I call bullshit on that. I don't, I've worked alongside these guys. In garrison, they they meet grooming standards. If they are going to be on an operational deployment, they get a, a memo that says within the next so many days, this individual will be deploying. They have to have that memo. Then when they get questioned by some sergeant major at the DFAC as to why they have a beard, they can say this memo, and then the sergeant major pretty much shuts the hell up. Sure. But they come back. They meet grooming standards in garrison. So that's the key right there. Well, actually, that's the reverse of the key that I'm thinking. That's the keyhole. When you're in garrison, that's the time where it's like, I don't need a gas mask, right? So I can keep a groomed beard. When I have to go out into the field or I have to go into a combat environment, that's the time to shave. And I, and I get the whole thing where it's like special forces grow beards, Mix in with the population. Dude, you're 6'5 and pasty white. You're not blending in with the Taliban, I promise you, you know? There's there's a difference between pre-cooked bacon and you've been on the been in the microwave way too long. Exactly. You know, I mean the beard the beard doesn't fool me. To argue the point though, if I'm in garrison and I'm around generals and officers, historically that's when you want to look your best. That's when you should be clean shaven. That's when you should be wearing the new uniform and your polished boots. When I'm in the field and I'm kicking rocks and kicking ass, not so much. I don't give two shits what the general thinks when I'm out kicking ass for him. A hundred percent. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm in a garrison environment. I can keep a clean shaven beard. You know, again, this can jump into the changes into female standards according to the AR670-1. And now they're allowed to wear earrings and have ponytails and, you know, and, and I don't want to get into that because 
I don't know shit about it. Yeah, I'm not a female. All I know is that you're allowed to wear a ponytail. Cool. In my mind, what I see, and, and it, but also there is a hair issue, right? When you have to have your hair pulled back like that, you're going to have hair issues. You're, you're going to lose hair, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I totally do. But the same argument can be had with if they allowed, yeah, you wore your hair in a ponytail for a long time. I get it. I got a five head. The argument could be made with if you were to allow males to grow a beard, now you have to sit there and control the males to whatever the standard is. It's the same thing with hair because let's be realistic. A lot of men try to push the hair standard. Sideburns, all of it. Mm-hmm. And females now can wear the ponytail. Great. A lot of females do a great job. But there's a few. There's a few few females that are like oh well this is an excuse for me to roll out of bed put a put my hair in a ponytail and not give a shit but let's get back to because we're running long let's get back to the covid yes so if the united states army said you're gonna have to get a vaccination now at the time there was what uh what was it it was uh there was three of them Original, yep. it was Johnson and Johnson. Yep. It was the Pfizer, and then it was the uh, Moderna. 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 Madonna. I wish Madonna. I wish I was injecting Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, <laughs> every two weeks. <laughs> so, what what frustrated me is as soon as we got back from SLC and we we had to go back to drill, there was these COVID protocols we set up. COVID vaccination stations and whatever, but yet we had criteria, uh, but the Johnson and Johnson was a one and done. So that's what I did. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do any of it because whether it's real or not, I don't know. I don't hold the degrees, but I'm like, go fuck yourself. If this was something that needed to be done. This was this is the way it should have been. It should have been, yeah, the military is going to do this. When you go through your next P, uh, PHA, you're going to get the shot. Unless God says, fuck you. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless God says, fuck you, because you can do the medical exemption or you could do the, the religious exemption. So let me play on that for a second. Yeah. For everyone else that did not put in an exemption, we were given a day that we had to be vaccinated or we would be removed. Then DOD put out, by this day, all exemptions will be ruled on. That day has come and gone almost two years. Yep. And those exemptions have not been ruled on. No, no, they have not. So we have people in the force that are not vaccinated, that are still getting uh, positive administrative actions. Nope, not yet. I, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that is, nope, not yet. And then the DOD goes and repeals the vaccination mandate. Yeah. So now these people don't need to be vaccinated regardless. Now it's your choice again. I admire those who said, fuck you, because that's what I wanted to do. I know you wanted to do it too, but at the same time, it pisses me off because now... You, those people are coming back to drill if they so choose. 
Now, granted, they had a bad year, but they're being uh, they're 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 being allowed to come back to drill, and I I don't agree with that. Like, I think in my mind, what I would do if I was the decision maker, I would say, hey, you disobeyed a direct order. Exactly, and and this whole religious exemption, and and the uh, medical exemption, fuck that. It, you disobeyed. Maybe you had a. They didn't act on it, and that's what pisses me off because that that makes me feel like they 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 knew what was they knew this how this was going to play out. So, in my opinion, they had made so many fucking vaccines, they had to get rid of them, and who better to dump? vaccines on than the military i mandate it i have well sure that's always been the way but we have hundreds of thousands of people so two vaccines per many hundreds of thousands of people gets rid of a million vaccines i honestly don't even believe that math like that was involved i i think it was well they're not going to let it go to waste oh absolutely they would so why not get rid of it yeah, by throwing it in the garbage. No, because they they fucking wasted money and time with this emergency use act, right? Sure. So they developed this thing in a real fast in a hurry, and then they push it out, and it's not been proven. Here, okay. Here, here's my thing. First off, you're going you, this whole we're going to create a, a, a remedy real fast. I don't buy into that. I, I think that they, they've already said this thing came out of the freaking woohoo fucking lab in fucking Hong Tong, whatever. There was something to fight it. But then the reality of it is, is that it, cause they came out and they said, this is the government, not the military. And this is what I'm seeing on the news. So I can't even say this is the government. Take this vaccination and you're not going to get it. And then everybody still got it, but they didn't die, but they weren't dying before because a majority of the people, don't get me wrong, I don't want to offend anybody who has or knows somebody who has had a really shitty reaction to an emergency vaccination. That's not my intent. But this whole, you're right, we're just, we've got a fucking world pandemic and all of a sudden out of nowhere, we can create a vaccination that's going to at first make you immune but then eventually it won't and then we find out the people that have been vaccinated actually contracted covid multiple times but they didn't die whatever i'm just trying to say that i think when it comes to this whole covid shit you're in the military you said no i don't want this vaccination in my opinion, what it looks like to me as the small guy on the totem pole is that there is no such thing as a religious exemption because it doesn't use any of the things that you're worried about or whatever. There's no such thing as a medical exemption. Well, I mean, we got you might be pregnant, you know, so that 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 kind of goes to the females. But in the end, it just sat there and waited to eventually be nothing. In my opinion, you disobeyed a direct order. At best, you should be discharged from the military. And if you still want to say, I didn't get my vaccination, if, 
but I still want to serve. Then you go back to the recruiter and you re-enlist. I don't care what rank you are because that's not going to matter at the lower enlisted, but that's going to sure shit matter when you're a first sergeant or an officer because you're not going to re-enlist as a first sergeant or an officer. Which is why when it first came out, they said command teams. So first sergeants, commanders, sergeant majors, all the way up the line. If you were in a command team, they were like really pushing you to get it because that's the example. Yeah. So if you don't, so we had a sergeant major in our state that straight up said, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah. What I'm saying with medical, I'm a little more lenient with medical stuff because people are in profile. People get blown up in war. The army did that to them. I wouldn't go out and willingly drive down a road full of IEDs. Yeah, but you did. Army put me in that situation. The army put me in that situation. So if I get fucked up because of the army, right, I'm going to go on a profile, whatever, medical. With this religion thing, what's to stop me from just playing the religious card for everything now? My religion says I don't have to do an ACFT. Yeah, I can't fight. Yeah. And then now that we're there, why can't this thing has been repealed and a lot of us were forced to take this vaccine against our will, right? Yeah. Where's the... There should be a class action lawsuit against the government for this. Can't can't sue the government. Can too. I got to piss. All right, I'm back. Look, here's my thing. I understand, and everybody needs to understand, that the military is kind of like a job, right? Everybody needs people to perform a job. It is a job. So... When you look at, and I, I saw a YouTube video earlier today, and there and it was a uh, four-star general. I don't know who it was. I didn't catch the name. It's irrelevant. But they were talking about, and it was an old video too because they were in the previous uniform. And he's throwing out all these percentages. And when, when, when people start throwing out percentages, I just tune out. But when you look at, say, X amount of people in your population, say 18-year-olds, 17 to 18-year-olds, X amount of population want to serve. And a small percentage of those that want to, to serve are able to, whether it be because they're just heavily obese or they have a medical condition or whatever it is, you get this small percentage that actually can serve. And then they get to basic training and they can't conduct a minimal physical fitness test. Again, I start to think that, oh, so it's all about physical fitness. Who cares about mental ability? So it's just this endless cycle of the military needs to adapt to the people to be able to fulfill it's quota. And by quota, I mean the people to perform the jobs to be successful. And if you think that sounds negative, it's not because our job is to protect our country. 1% of our population is charged with the ability to protect our population. So when you get people who get in, you don't again this goes back to the whole we're worried about the front door but not the back door people do stupid shit they get kicked out people like i don't want to do this shot like i had this conversation with you yeah it's yeah i don't want to do this shit either i don't want to take the stupid fauci ouchie 
I think it's stupid. I don't believe what's on the news. I barely believe what I see in reality, but I want to serve my country. The best thing that I have ever been given is the ability to serve my country. And that's what I want to do. So if getting a stupid needle in the arm is what I have to do, well, then that's what I have to do. But I'm not going to sit there and say, I don't want to get this stupid shot and throw everything else away because of this stupid shot that just basically made me feel worthless for, I'm just now getting out of it for two years. But people are still getting promoted. Mm -hmm. People are still getting awards for like, that is the biggest middle finger to the organization. Well, so there's something different wrong. If people are getting awards, because if they were, if they refused the vaccination, whether they straight up refused it, medical or anything else, they were still flagged. There should have not been any type of, here's a promotion, here's an award. So if that's happening, that, that, that's, that was not supposed to happen. It's a big organization. If you look at the right. big picture, it's huge, right? So mistakes are going to happen. Do you got to pee or what? No, I'm good. Okay. I peed my pants like a man. Things are changing. Whether we're going to sit here and talk about the COVID or the PT test or the, uh, the, the basic rifle marksmanship, whatever you want to talk about in the military, things are changing. Bottom line is this to me. I'm not saying put your blinders on, but I'm saying don't get bent out of shape over the things you can't control. Just say, I'm going to do what's best for me and just move forward. And I would say that if you're a PT stud, you're maxing out that PT test. Well, that's the first sign of leadership. So you're going to be in a good position if you're physically fit. Well, looks like that's another episode in the bag. Boom, 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 boom. That's another episode of Eyes Forward March. One foot in front of the other. I'm out. <sighs> that was actually a really good conversation. I mean, it kind of was all over the place, but it was really good conversation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this episode 14 Inches of Podcasts. I'm going to leave it a little bit longer. <laughs> Because yeah, we started talking about your 14 inches and your. <laughs> it's, a, it's my MacBook Pro 14 inch dick. I know. I don't see a 14 inch dick. <laughs> Jesus. I don't even know how to handle you right now. And stop ruining my friends.